Hey, everybody. Uh, we're back after a brief hiatus. Ooh, I like I, the word hiatus. I, I, I yeah. Like word. Um, because, well, frankly, I've been gone out of town, uh, traveling. Rip, why don't you ask me what I've been doing? Hey, but I know what you've been doing. Yeah, but for the sake of our listeners, they don't know what I've been doing. Okay, Bruce, why don't you tell our listeners and viewers what you've been doing and why we're a little later on this podcast? Uh, not really that interesting. I'll make it work for it. <laughs> All, All right. right. So, so I've been I've been at the Bruce, where's the immigrant wilderness? Yeah. So, I um, two weeks ago I was on the trail in the High Sierras with thirteen other people. So there was a group of fourteen that went out and had a fabulous week, albeit a little stressful for me <laughs> at times with altitude sickness, hailstorms, and Mark getting lost on day two. He's the assistant guide, so one would hope that he could stay. That was a problem you know, on track. But it, it worked out. He only had to hike a mile backwards up a long hill and we were able to regather and it, it went. And rebuke it. No, there was no rebuke. There was just sometimes, it's called repentance. When a person turns around, they rethink. Yes. Retent, rethink. Yes. I think I might be ahead of the group instead of following it because I'm the sweeper. Why don't I go back and check? Which, to Mark's credit, he did. He did exactly the right thing, which is hike a mile backwards up a hill to find the rest of the group that was waiting for him at a lake. We love you, Mark. We do. And this is really a shout out to you. We all make mistakes. And Mountain Group Realty, who could potentially be a sponsor for this season. For season two, Mark and Wendy Booth, Mountain Group Realty in Sevierville, Tennessee. I suddenly, yeah, I love that group. I love realtors a lot now these days. That's true. We could have two realtors, and they're not competing because Rob Abercrombie doesn't sell cabins up in the Smokies. No. That's what Mark and Wendy no. do. So if you need a cabin in the Smokies, tar- mm-hmm. talk to Mark and Wendy. <laughs> tar- 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 talk to Mark and Wendy. Or talk. Or talk. Yeah. They prefer tardy. <laughs> talk to Mark and Wendy Booth about... A home <laughs> for rental. You know, I think realtors as sponsors makes real sense because real. I see what you did there. Well, <laughs> because we keep it real. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything about us is real, right? So, yep. so yeah, realtors, we're we're your lane. We right. can make your business soar. That's we have we've used that before. Soar. The problem is, is that S O A R S O R E. You can make your business. Ouch! <laughs> really painful. <laughs> I'm looking positive here. So for me, and this is what I wanted to talk about today. Roger didn't even tell me what we were talking about. We don't. <laughs> I randomly last night wanted to talk about Barbara Walters. I'm not sure why. It was just in my mind. I'm like, I think we should talk. But the word Barbara is a nice name. There's a lot of yeah, Barbara. So when I was in the wilderness for a week. Uh, it what mm-hmm. for me it was this reset. So there's something about getting away for an extended period of time where you're away from. So for the for the entire week, you know, we can't check email, text. I had a little. You, the immigrant world. This is the Sierra, so you're 
how how high above sea level are you? So we're at 8,500 feet. Oh, so we're literally, we're camping every night. I think our high point was around 9,000. Low point was around 7,800. So wow. we're, we're averaging 8,000, 8,500 feet every night. Beautiful, pristine alpine lakes where everyone's able to go swimming and wash their clothes. And it was just, I mean, it was amazing. But for me, I realized it was a little bit of a reset where, as we've said many times, this year has not gone as planned. I saw that going differently in right. my mind. I mean, everything. And so we're through the first five months of this year, um, through May or through mid-May, I was, you know, blogging 500 words, writing 500 words a day, blogging every week, doing a word for the week and, and all of that. And then in May, I made this huge shift. And I did, I did a count. I've done now since May, 44 videos, video trainings. Because I've been in two different virtual conferences, and then I did 28 days of the Journey of Hope, www.brucewmartin.com, where you can get the Journey of Hope, where I have the Scars of Hope message. But I take people through. Yeah, love, yeah. I took people through 28 days of, of my book, Desperate for Hope. So I took every chapter a day, and that was a lot of fun. And it was good for me to go through the book again, just because this year has been the whole subtitle of the book is Finding God in Life's Hardest Times, and this has just been a hard time for a lot of us. So I was doing all of these videos and uh, then I did 12 podcasts with you, which we do video and audio. And then I did- Which two. were probably the highlight of your videos. And that was probably the most fun you were having ever. Well, actually it was, it was very fun. Because when you're doing a video with someone else like Roger, you know, he's the straight guy, I'm the funny guy. It's, it's a lot more fun. Whereas when I do a video by myself, I have to be the straight guy and the funny guy, which is kind of like good cop, bad cop, multiple personality disorder. Not good. Yeah. Okay. So, but now in this reset button time, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to get back to do some writing. In other words, I've been producing as much content or more than I was in the first half of the year. It's just been different content versus written content versus this video audio content. But I've been really surprised at how well even video discipleship has been. So you're you're seeing people, sometimes a live video, like on these, these Zoom conferences that I've done, these virtual conferences, mm -hmm. sometimes I'm live with them or they're playing a video of me, but I'm able to interact with them via the chat feature. Anyway, it was just, it was just good. And I realized in this season, it's, it's a little bit like um, God's giving us a new avenue for really how to pursue discipleship that I had never really looked at before because I love I love doing things live. So whether that's counseling with a person one-on-one -on -one, or that's in a small group or even a yeah. large group, I love being with people. But I found in this, the last couple of months, I've actually enjoyed even being able to go via video and do discipleship that way. So it's been a, it's been a learning curve for me, getting comfortable talking to a microphone and a, and a um, camera. But it was a reset for me that week. So now I'm getting back. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to do some writing again. Uh, depression, but, 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 depression is faded. That's good, which is big. So that gave me that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The ability to, what do you think more clearly and stuff like that. I'm sorry, you're going to say something. No, I was so the, I, but I'm thinking, was the reset just time to think? What was, was there a moment? Was it just getting away from the routines where I couldn't. Um... Yeah, it wasn't here for me. It wasn't until the last two days of the trip. Okay. So five days in, I'm, I'm managing trip logistics. We're, we're hiking people over 50 miles, 14 people is a big group. This is in the high Sierras of California. So it's just 
yeah. out there. So managing the logistics every day was was enough to keep me my mind busy just with that. But the last two days, everyone was getting stronger, getting their legs, so that our, our days were going faster. And I realized I had time to think while I was hiking, six to eight miles a day. And that's when I really started. That was that's when the restart. I mean, the reset began to happen. So it's almost like it took me five days to sort of detox from the world that we live in. And then those last two days, mentally, uh, were just super productive. And I thought about some things that I wanted to be writing in this season and even looking forward to coming back to the Inglorious Pastor podcast, which is... I'm glad you're back. Welcome back. Thank you. And and then Marie Griffith and I are wanting to do continue our Giant Church, Why I Left Giant Church Incorporated okay. series. We've done two of those episodes so far. And something that she shared that I'm watching in this season is, she was quoting someone else, but she said, in this season, discipleship is going to happen more often in the small places. And I thought that that's, there's a, there's, that's profound in the sense that I can't be in front of audiences this year. You know, this was the year I planned the Stars of Hope speaking tour. (laughs) Bad year for a speaking tour. And so discipleship is happening in small places. So there was 13 people on the trail last week, and several people mentioned for them it was life transformational, which for me was just so fulfilling to know that not only do we have a great experience in the wilderness, but every day I was just teaching the teachings of Jesus. I was taking the parables about soil and seeds and fish and all the stuff that Jesus would use, and I realized everything Jesus taught is so relevant to today, the, yeah. the story still makes sense even in the in the 21st century, which is the genius of of Jesus. But it was really the whole week we talked about the kingdom. So the very first devotional I just talked about the kingdom within this this kingdom of the heart, uh, not a place that we go to. Which in this season it's been hard to go to places because they've been closed down. Anyway, it was just the whole thing was a reset on multiple levels for me about about seeing discipleship in a new light and even venues for discipleship in a new light. And then what's my role in that? Very, as clear as I've ever been, that that my role, my job is to testify to the gospel of God's grace for the rest of my life. Yeah. So while there's a hundred other things I could do, I haven't thought about being a realtor for a while, but I'm, because it's, it's a great job. But I know my job is to just keep teaching the gospel of the kingdom. I'm wondering, I've wondered a lot when you say, or Marie is saying that discipling is going to be in smaller kinds of settings. I can't help but think, and you can help me tease this out, but it seems like that's always been the most ideal setting. And I could wonder, because I do believe God is sovereign. COVID's not caught him off guard. World events are not catching him off guard. You know, there are no moments wringing his hands, whatever. He never took a nap. Never took a nap. That was one of Roger's Facebook lives. Very good. But um, but beyond that, not catching, not only is it not catching him off guard, he's behind it. He's at work. Yeah. He's um, whatever else is going on that feels random or whatever else is going on in terms of what other people might be trying to conspire or manipulate or whatever. God's at work. And one of the places mm. where I think that he's at work, I, I, I'm wondering if 
isn't if he's not providing a kind of needed corrective to a trending maybe with the American or Western church that was getting bigger and bigger and maybe more business-like yep. and more corporate, right. which had some advantages. Well, there were sure. some things that sure. came from, you know, so this is not a statement, but I wonder if Jesus and the 12 kind of settings, uh, a, a, a group going out in the wilderness, um, a group of neighbors meeting yeah. in a home, um, people working on projects together uh, and serving. Um, I'm wondering if these haven't always been the ideal and and if part of God's work isn't really helping to provide a corrective where maybe we were leaning too too much on uh, mass discipleship. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll do it through large classes and it'll be large conferences and it'll, and large, large, and large is always better and large. But I think we're being reminded, yeah, large isn't always better. There are some advantages of large. And there's some, and it's convenient. Yeah. It's cost effective, but well, at one level, it's cost effective, and at another level, it's not cost effective. When you think about if I have to build a building, yes, to assemble a thousand people, yep, not as cost effective as as one. I heard one pastor say at one point, he said, uh, "We have millions of dollars of property already as a church." He was talking to his congregation. Right. He said, "Your homes." And the idea yes, was yes, we yeah. can do discipleship. We already have the kingdom has all these assets already. We can do discipleship, yeah. you know, in home. And it's interesting, even when I when I look at the time that Jesus would interact with the multitudes, the thousands, like the feeding of the five thousand. Um, there was another time around Capernaum when when it said that there was literally a huge crowd following him, and what we call the Sermon on the Mount. I had just sort of read over it and missed it, but this, these huge crowds are following him. Perhaps a thousand or more people are following him. He's at this mountain. There's this huge, and I realized in those days, they didn't have loudspeakers. They didn't have a stage. They didn't have an amplifier so that Jesus could teach everyone. I'm going to speak to everybody. So it said with all these thousands around him, it said turning to his disciples, he taught them saying. And I just love that. He's it, the idea, I think, even was he's going to give this profound teaching to the few, understanding that they're going to take it to the masses. And again, because if you even think about Jesus trying to teach, let's say, 5,000 people, I mean, can you imagine there's 4,933 that are going, what is, I can't hear what he's saying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't hear him over the water or the wind or whatever else. I think, I think the, the idea was always we're going to take it to a one or a few, and then they will take it to the multitude. I was reminded, again, even of the small places. When Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah publicly for the first time, proclaims himself as Messiah mm -hmm. to one person, and it was an obscure small place. This is this is the, the woman at the well at midday, shunned by her people, a Samaritan, which was like, that would be like, I don't know, a Christian running into a Muslim and going, I want to tell you first before I tell anyone else that I'm the Messiah, and a woman who has far less in that culture mm -hmm. credibility, Jesus shares, I am he, I'm, I'm the Messiah. And then what does she do? She goes and tells 
the multitudes. Right. And I just, I mean, I love that. So this idea that discipleship happens in small places, but has ripple effect impact in the large spaces. Yeah. Almost like I think of Andrew. Yes. He hears about Jesus. Yes. Then he goes and gets Peter. And so you have Jesus calling, but then he says, you're going to be fishers of people. In other words, you're going to be yes. calling. Yes. You're going to be inviting. You're going to be, which is what they end up doing. And we're sitting as Christians today because people like Andrew and Peter kept inviting, kept sharing more of the story. Yeah. Come and see, uh, which is what the Samaritan went yeah. Come and see this person who's told me everything I've done. Could could this be the one which, we've been looking for? Which yeah. normally we wouldn't be. I mean, if Jesus told me everything I've done, I, I don't know that I would proclaim that <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> Jesus told me a lot of things that I've done that he's probably not going to share with you, but it's it's a big deal. No, just that whole story is beautiful. And the, and the way that it's 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 represented in the in the series, The Chosen, which again I want to highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen that Agreed. series. It's just such an excellent depiction of Jesus and his ministry and the way things happen. Uh, and the context in the way things happen. But I was, again, small places, uh, Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, these one-on-ones these where some very profound teaching and profound transformation happens. Because yeah. we talked, you talked yesterday about Zacchaeus. We don't even know what Jesus and Zacchaeus talked about. Right. We just know at the end of the conversation, Zacchaeus basically left everything, very wealthy man, half of it I'm going to give to the poor, with the rest of it, I'm going to pay four times as, as much back to anyone I've cheated, pretty much eliminating any wealth. He's bankrupt. He's bankrupt. He's got- but he found the kingdom, and Jesus said, "This man is a is a son of Abraham," yeah. which infuriated people because he was considered treasonous to the Jewish people <laughs> as a publican. We, we love that little song. Zacchaeus was a wee <laughs> we little man, man and, we, and Jesus met whatever. And let's and, sing it together. No, let's not. Uh, <laughs> we climbed up in a sycamore tree the Lord he wanted to see. He did. And as the page would pass that way, he looked up in the tree. What did he say? And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Or I'm going to your house today. Now, I'm going to your house today. Now, I'm going to your house today. And the, rest, and we, the song should have said, <laughs> and everybody was... <laughs> Ticked off. Jesus. Yeah. Everyone hated Jesus. Jesus. Everyone walked away. Because <laughs> we're all thinking that's all right. wonderful. And, and, yeah. and you know what I knew most about Zacchaeus? I mean, honestly, yeah, it wasn't that he had this extraordinary conversion experience. I knew that he was a small man. He's a tiny guy. <laughs> I think Napoleon Bonaparte. Full syndrome named after him. Yeah. <laughs> a wee little man. It's terrible. <laughs> and we just. <laughs> We just reinforced it with the song. Uh, <laughs> uh, Isn't that song short people? Short people. No, don't sing. No it. reason. That was short a, people guy. I'm singing no both in that reason. same that same maybe an unfortunate song. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I remember the unfortunate one? About stature. Yes. I don't know. Um but <laughs> so I'm coming back to I can make a great I'm song about tall people. <laughs> I'm trying to. Running in the doorways. Just how hard it is to be tall. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Right. I. Mm. But what strikes me now, you thinking about um, the small places. Yeah. 
<laughs> We're there again. And actually, our theme is small is good. Except if you're a customer. <laughs> Big is good. <laughs> Finish that thought. I'm, not, I'm, I'm toning my seven down right now. <laughs> so, um, but the reminder I think that's so significant is we have to keep reminding ourselves of this companion idea, which is small is not insignificant. And yes. in fact, there's so much power to small. And I think one of the losses that we've encountered, maybe even with the large church or whatever, is that became the definition of successful church, successful ministry. Impact. Impact. Um, God's in it if it's large. God is working through big conferences. God's working through best-selling authors. God's working through, but God's not working through me. But Jesus was not this best-selling nope. author. Nope. And Jesus was not, he, but he was having all these kinds of individual conversations with a random woman in Samaria where Jews didn't even want to, nope. didn't even want to be in the borders of that country. And then he's having, he's, he's meeting people, he's uh, important people, people who've had diseases, blind, marginalized, forgotten about. He's encountered, he's taking it to where people are. In fact, you know some of the moments where you see, it's almost like at some points, Jesus, oh, the crowd's getting too large. Oh, it's getting, it's, I've got to thin it out. No, I mean, one time he did, a, he did one of his most famous sermons. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And 4,988 men walked away, leaving 12, the, the 12 apostles. And he said, well, you leave me I too. Leave also, yeah. yeah. And and there, and by the way, that's in John 6, 66, which is interesting because it said many disciples turned and no longer followed. Him. Yeah. Such a sobering work. So Jesus was not about, it's got to be big to be yeah. impactful. All these people left, and then he spoke to the few and said, I'm speaking in spirit. I'm not talking about cannibalism here. I'm talking about a, there has to be a spiritual food that you receive from me, and there has to be a spiritual walk with me. You know, Jesus would talk about even suffering yeah. was part of this of this Christ walk, taking up your, your cross. Yeah, I just thought about the small places again, even when he rescued uh, the man that had a legion of demons and and this guy was now free and he says I want to follow you he said well, in other words I want to join your entourage and, and Jesus says no I want you to stay here I want you the, the person the single to take it to the multitudes here in the Decapolis in, in the Gadarenes and, and I just love that and, and, why, and why would that be significant because he knew the people and they knew him and they knew him they would know they would know his story they would know his story and you see wow. someone who has been a lunatic who's ter probably terrorized and then you see someone who's going around talking in their right mind about jesus and i've met the one the who's one. the answer and i've and and the hope of the world you think about the power um of that and again just well another one i, I keep thinking about these small places that had huge impact so the man born blind the disciples are asking, why was he born blind? Did he send, did his parents send what's going on? Their idea being that, that if a person is born blind, someone must have sent 
that couldn't have just happened. Jesus said no. And he uses an interesting word. He said, this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in view yeah. for the world to see. And I've always imagined the blind man going, you've got to be kidding me. I have been blind from day one so that the work of God might be displayed in my life. So Jesus heals him. Guess who the first missionary was to the Sanhedrin? Because Jesus <laughs> said, you're going to be called. My disciples will be called before the yeah. Sanhedrin and the rulers. Guess who the first one was? The man born blind. And he testified to Jesus. And he's like, you guys are acting like you don't know, but you know. He said, I don't know who he is. Because at that point, he hasn't even seen Jesus yet. He said, but I know this. I was born blind and I can see now. Yeah. No, and I'm thinking that, um, well, I was thinking something totally escaped me. It's old age. <laughs> That's, no, oh, I'm thinking back to that. It's again the power of every individual story, yeah. and why your story in your circle matters. Whether the the guy who was healed from all the demons, whether it's the blind man, and even the word of Jesus. Now, again, I get the offense or the challenge of, yes, this happens so the glory of God may be displayed. But the other beauty of that is, to this blind man, God's had a plan for your life all along. Yes, God has been yes. this suffering, this thing that you is not random it's it's right. not lost on god it you were it um it's, yeah. it's not in that sense a cosmic mistake and yes. that is hard for us to imagine yep. unless we truly believe in the sovereignty of god this this you know I've, I've said it many times one of my favorite verses is where jesus says my father is at work to this day and i too am working i just have, i love that the fact mm. that god is always at work, he didn't just spin the world into motion and step back and go, good luck, let's see. Yeah. I mean, it's always at work, always at work, always at work. And always at work in you. I can't say enough, your story, God's at work in it right now. Yeah. Um, and and your story, whatever God's doing in your story is part of your calling. I mean, that's... Uh, um, that's how he's going to touch and speak. And again, this is why the importance of small places. There's no life that's insignificant. There's no story that's insignificant because God is always using small things. God's always using small people. He's always using, um, and Paul said this, the insignificant things. In fact, God absolutely loves to confound the thinking behind large and big and successful um, because <laughs> he's, no, no, I'm just working through this little person over here that doesn't seem very significant. Um, this person with this struggle or this person. <laughs> and we're just thinking God uses celebrities. God uses people that have power and significance. But no, today, your story, um, your words, um, God's at work. So again, even again, the small places to look and yeah. see, reminded today uh, <clears throat> that um, don't um, shut down because you feel like your voice is small or you have nothing to say or it's not significant. That's exactly the kind of people God historically has loved to work through. Yeah. And don't underestimate 
the ability of, of, of your life to make a difference in one other life. You know, uh, someone did the numbers years ago. I think it may have been that in that book of something like multiplying disciples. I can't remember what it was, but it was uh, disciples were made not born. But it, he talked about this reality. If, if every follower of Jesus Christ just discipled one other person to become a follower of Jesus Christ, and that person did that for one other person, that didn't, it was like the world, would, the, the world, the nations would be followers of Christ in a matter of, I don't know, decades. It's, it's an interesting, that's why, that's why we have to be careful not to look at celebrities and not look at people that seem to have a tremendous amount of power and a tremendous amount of impact to hold it. If I interact with one person, if I can help disciple one person in the way of Christ, who knows how many people, what if that person impacts 12 people? Yeah. You know, like Jesus did so much of his impactful discipleship in that, in that one to 12 <laughs> ratio. Even when I think about last week, before last, when I was on the the 13 people that I'm interacting with, what if each of them interacts with 13 people? That's like, that's more than 150 people. Right. So it's, it's, I'm a, we're, we're understanding reach yeah. differently. And, and for you, listen, don't imagine for a moment that your life, that your work is insignificant because as you, if you teach the way of Christ to your children, you're multiplying disciples. If you teach the way of Christ to a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, you're multiplying uh, disciples. It matters. Yeah, and I, it's, it's fascinating you just mentioned because I was thinking, even for that parent, um, it's uh, many times in our culture, it's maybe a mom who's mm -hmm. at home with the kids um, more often um, than her, her husband, but it can be either way. And, and that thing of, even for Christians, um, Oh, I wish I had a ministry. I wish I, you know, and we're, you know, I could be doing this and that. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that God doesn't have plans beyond that, but it's also not missing the small things, which may happen to be your kids uh -huh. and, and the impact. Um, it's just, if nothing else, looking to counter this message from our culture, which is, um significance is related to size it's related to the breadth of outreach but here this thing that's just pressing in it's this one contact it's this one conversation and how many times again i've loved this thing you've talked about recently just the power of one one person one conversation one thing you said i still remember one time um after a a a message I taught in a church, um, probably a hundred people. But afterward, one person came up after me and said, you use that phrase. Um, hmm. And and the funny thing about that actually was that phrase was not in my notes. That <laughs> it, No, it was, but I would, I would have loved to, yeah. Do I you even remember saying it? I carefully thought that out and I had planned that all out. I thought that was a very insightful thing. Because I like to kind of transcript everything out in terms of when I'm uh, writing out to speak and so on. Bruce is different. Um, but I'll have, I'm just saying the phrase he said, and actually he would say that that was the phrase that helped him make the turn to Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and it, it was a random phrase about, I think, Jesus being our second chance. 
Um, and not in my notes, whatever. And I look, but think, hmm. one person, and this is a person who has become a dear friend. We talked again a few weeks ago, uh, been a follower of Jesus now for years. He's impacted people, his own family, he's, other folks, whatever. And there was one phrase um, and on one particular day that became this moment, um, don't miss the reality that we're doing those. We have those opportunities every single day. There's no small day. There's no small person. There's no small encouragement. There's no small moment. Um, and it's probably the work of the enemy that keeps sending this message small is worthless. It's You're not making any impact. Uh, you're not doing anything important. Um, and that thinking shuts us down and keeps us from actually doing the small things. Making a difference. Yeah. I thought you were like landing the plane. That was such a good finish. You were like, was it just coming in? I was like, yeah, it's wheels up. It's just, it was... And did I take it off again? Yeah, well, you took off again. I think you were trying to, it was a, it was a, it was a touchdown, one of those, those re-jumps. Uh, and I think you were doing that for my sake, but it, I can't help but, and we've all probably heard messages on this, but I can't help but think about when the temple was being rebuilt in the Old Testament after the, the captivity and the Byzantine made a teeny tiny foundation. And and the people were, the people that had seen the first temple that was glorious and amazing and huge, they were like, they were weeping. And uh, the prophet says, despise not small things, or uh, despise not small beginnings. Right. And it makes me think about, again, one drop in the water. <laughs> that seems very insignificant, but my goodness, the ripple effect that goes out from that. There is a ripple effect to our lives that we won't understand until eternity. So there's some people, uh, because of, oh, because of the, um, let's say, the size of their platform and their, the breadth of their audience. They see maybe a lot of fruit born from their work mm -hmm. in, the, in this life. But mm -hmm. I think most people will have no idea. And when Jesus talks about use worldly wealth to make friends for yourself so that you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I just I look forward to that moment because I think there's a lot of people that oh, go, yeah. I had no, no idea how I impacted your life. And they're being welcomed by that person. That that one phrase that you said about Jesus being our second chance that rescued me, that that saved me. And I'm like, that's just beautiful to imagine. Here's the other thing I was just thinking about. I, was, I lost the train of thought for a minute. I'm glad Roger was bringing the plane in because I was blank, completely blank for a minute. No, I realize our world. So I do, I, I speak at speakers conferences and writers conferences. And anytime you want to publish a book, they always talk about you need a platform. So they want, they really want 10,000 plus subscribers. I, I'm up to about 250 now. Awesome. Not, not really. Not really what you're looking for on a book deal, but I realized maybe Jesus wants each of us simply to have a footstool. Where there's just, there's just, just we're standing on one, and we're proclaiming Christ. We're just saying, hey, this is the way. This is, this is the real thing. This is the kingdom, and everyone has a footstool. A few people have a platform. Yeah. Some people have a very large platform, and again, nothing wrong with that. In fact, it, it, there's a tremendous sobering responsibility that comes with having a huge platform now, I, i've thought, i've at points wanted that i've wanted to be discovered yeah. i want to be that but then i've thought 
oh my gosh, the way to that. And here's the thing, when thousands of people are hanging on your words, the next book you write, whatever, what there is a weight to that because- I'd rather stand on my ottoman (laughs) at that point. Well, and some of it is because, and we've talked about this before, but some of it is the reality that no matter how big or small your platform is, the other the other thing we're dealing with is we're partly wrong. We're, we're broken people. So as soon as I say anything, <laughs> I realize I may be a little off on that. I mean, and, and so then think about if you have thousands and thousands of people in your words, hanging on your words, and, and you're partly wrong. Right. Well, now you've got thousands of partly wrong people as well. Ugh. Hey, so, <laughs> one thing that hit my mind, you know, we don't script this thing, but I did think I was... And it, it loosely fits the theme, so I guess I'm just going to shoehorn it in here. But I thought about small people. No, no, <laughs> short people. Uh, no, <laughs> it's like it was an action figure. <laughs> no, but I was thinking, you know, there's that thing on Facebook, um, the kind of fun thing going on. Uh, name five famous people. Four of them are someone that you've met, and but one of them isn't and then and, and your friends are supposed to figure out who the lie is so i just think it's our obsession with anyway so i've got my list of five all right so i'm going to tell you um say that again i wasn't listening <laughs> <laughs> so well something dinged on your computer and i i noticed debbie and gala was commenting so go ahead, say all that again i'm i'm right i'm tracking this time i'm saying it's a fun facebook thing there's a facebook thing that says um, name five people, famous people that you've met, okay, or been within a few feet of. I think they said, um, name, write out five of them, and one of them is a lie, and then have your friends figure out who the. Um, oh, that's interesting. So, so I, so I'm going to go with. Oh, I know one of yours. <laughs> uh, Chris Berman. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell. Lou Holtz, uh, Barbara Mandrell, and who did I say? Um, Amy Grant. Amy Grant. Let's go with that. Okay, I'm good. So one of those is a lot. <laughs> I would guess Will Ferrell. <laughs> Where in the world would you ever see Will Ferrell? Well, you got that wrong. Because... <laughs> what? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> So there was a time I was invited to go Will Ferrell's party to the ESPN. I went uh, uh, to the ESPN studios and that's actually where I met. We're walking down the hallways, going through ESPN, whatever. So at one point we're just walking down and then Lou Holtz is coming down, uh, the former Notre Dame coach. And sure. so just moment, wait, wait, wait. What are you doing in the ESPN studios? Well, they have tours. Oh, where you can go through. So it's a massive place. I did so not know that. It's in Bristol, Connecticut. Okay. And so Learn something new every day. You can, and so they take, and you're going all through. Well, as you're going through, so again, like I said, we're walking down a hallway and Lou Holtz is coming. It's just comical. What's up, Lou? Well, then a moment later, we're walking down and Will Ferrell, and you know how ESPN will do those spoof? Yes. Those funny things. Those little vignettes. Well, they do them in studio. So. Will, Will, so I'm standing here with a Will Ferrell. So anyway, I'm just like, yeah, gotcha. Uh, that was my. Okay, Barbara Mandrell. <laughs> no, Barbara Mandrell would be the one I didn't meet. That's what I was saying. So I was, I was still trying to guess okay. the lie. 
But, but, here we go. I met Amy Grant in Barbara Mendrell's house. This Barbara wasn't there. <laughs> she has the largest log cabin in the world. Well, she did. She doesn't own anymore. I think she sold it. But uh, the largest log cabin in the world is in Nashville, Tennessee. All right, you ready? Here's my five. Okay. Oh, gosh. I'm good. You ready? Bill Mickelson, Bob Goff, <laughs> Tiger Woods. Um, we have a theme going here. The Queen's chauffeur driver, assistant, and Andy Stanley. I'm gonna say Bob Goff. <laughs> True, I've never, I've never met Bob Goff. I've, I've wanted to meet Bob many times. And Bob, if you're listening, and Let's you want to sponsor <laughs> the Inglorious Bastards, we would love that. You and I were, we were on a, um, you well, we did a virtual we, conference. We together. did a conference together. We've just never Miles apart. met ever, and <laughs> your talk was so good. So. Thank you. By the way, yes, Bob has got great material and so on. And and Bruce was hoping to meet him because they were going to be co-speakers. And oh no no co-speaker that no, that's no 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 wait wait. We were not co-speakers. Uh, I was doing a workshop. That's significant. We a uh, wee little workshop. Yes. <laughs> I was going to be doing a see what you're falling into. Right. You were thinking Bob is the important guy because he's the celebrity. A very unimportant keynote in comparison. See how hard this is it for is us to keep. It is. No, seriously. It's still, we still have this thought of, oh yeah, I'm the, well, I know I'm just the little, I catch myself doing that. It's just the, um, don't, that's a, just a great thing. Don't despise small things. Really, that's just a. Because it's our temptation all the time. Yeah, don't discount jesus would i mean if somebody somebody would bring him to tears it's the thought just some you any one of us my little part doesn't count my little conversation my little family my little corner my little country my whatever um don't buy that one of the most important things that jesus taught about small things was when he said I tell you the truth. I always say when Jesus said that, it's not like Jesus was ever lying. But in other words, Jesus is about to say something you will find hard to believe. So he begins it with, okay, you're going to find this hard to believe. But I tell you the truth, that if you offer even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because they are my disciple, you will not fail to receive them. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. This, you know, this just serving someone who's a, who's a follower or discipling someone. Who may not even be there yet, but you're you're giving them a piece of the way of Christ. You're giving them a, a a cup of cold water. That's Jesus said. There's reward for that. That there's there's profound impact and significance to that. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Let's talk about the one small thing we don't need. Well, we've got about a minute. Okay. <laughs> we don't need a small sponsor. We need a big sponsor. We're looking for, I don't know, for this year's, well, not this year, this season, season two of podcast. But what about just a good, 
hardworking local realty company. That'd be fine too. Or if several short people want to give small sponsorship amounts, that all adds up. I, this is not going where I thought. <laughs> I didn't. I should have thought through this. Some things I think we should do unscripted. There's probably other things we should have just a, a little bit of a. The sponsorship plug it's should a be planned a little. Yeah, but if you'd like to sponsor Inglorious Pastors, um, send us a note, Bruce at BruceWMartin.com, or we'll just send it to me, yeah, and yeah. I'll handle that. I'm more the person handling the sponsorships. Roger's the audio guy. So I'm sure if this audio is actually recording over there. I think it is. And I'm sort of the video guy. So this has been Bruce Martin and Roger Martin with season two, episode three, and we're going to name it Small Things, Small People, Small Songs, Small Finish Lives. Hope to talk to you soon. Thanks. <laughs>